0: And once I have this idea, you know, I just make sure I just run with it as much as possible and I become really obsessed with something. I go full throttle, hyperloop mode.
1: Hey there, Solar Warriors. I'm Nico Johnson, and this is Suncast. Each week, I pull back the veil on the life and business insights of clean tech entrepreneurs building the most noble and impactful companies of our time. I hope what you learn from this conversation is a catalyst for your own growth. So thanks for tuning in, and welcome to our tribe. Hey, welcome back, Solar Warrior. Hey, thank you for investing, again, your precious resource of time here with us today. Today's entrepreneur, John Novak, cut his teeth in the trenches doing design for well-known and established East Coast solar firms before he stepped out to start Scanafly, a drone based solar site evaluation and design tool. You know, I've been talking a lot lately with entrepreneurs who are helping solve the digitalization of solar problem with software and hardware that speeds up our inefficient processes and mundane tasks and greatly accelerate our industry's ability to scale to boot. I believe John and his team at Scanafly are on to something with their approach and his entrepreneur story is an intriguing one. Hey, if you haven't heard yet, we're doing the podcast lounge at SPI this year. Go to podcastlounge.live to learn more. And also if you're going to be at InterSolar Mexico in a week from now, please hit me up. Let me know. I'd love to hang out with you. Just uh find me on LinkedIn, shoot me a message. You know, you can find 175-plus other inspiring and influential leader stories over on mysuncast.com. While you're there, check out our tribe, sign up for the newsletter. But for now, get ready for another powerful conversation, warrior. Here we go with another episode of Suncast. Today, we get the fantastic opportunity interview another entrepreneur, relatively young new business that is gaining steam and solving a problem that I bet many of you, I certainly have, had to deal with as you built your own career and business in the solar industry. And that is, who wants to get up on a roof with a sun eye or we could name a ton of other archaic tools that get the job done but nonetheless put you in not only (laughs) jeopardy but also take a ton of your time. I have today John Novak, the founder and CEO of a company called Scanafly. We're going to learn a bit more about what Scanifly does, but also the driving force behind this product visionary getting out of the corporate rat race and into the driver's seat of his own business, adding value to an industry that gave him and his career legs. John, welcome to Suncast.
0: Thanks for having me on the show.
1: You've had a history of entrepreneurship. We were talking a bit Offline about some of the early stories, when did you know that you were an entrepreneur?
0: When I was thirteen, I went to my mom and i said mom it's um, it 's time that I get a job. I need to start saving up for a car and she said, "Okay, go out there and get yourself a job so So I walked down to the the uh, the maintenance yard for the park that we used to live by. And I just walked in there and I was, you know, I asked them for a job, you know, 13 years old, you know, squeaky voice and they looked at me like, you know, I was crazy. And so they said, we, we don't have a job for you, you know, you know, thanks, but you know, we don't have anything for you. So I just kept going and going and going there and they eventually gave in and they said, you know, uh, you know there, there are two guard dogs in the back, huge dogs, by the way. And they said, if, if you, you want to walk them you can do that. So $1 per dog per day, there were two dogs. So I went there every day after school and I walked those dogs. Well, they walked me at the time, huge um, German Shepherd and uh, I think Rottweiler. That was my first job. And I knew that I had this bug where I wanted to make some money and just, you know, I was very persistent. And um, that was kind of the the start of my uh, entrepreneurial journey there.
1: Help me understand how you became interested in the field of renewable energy, uh, you know, what got you here to want to serve in this business?
0: So I went to school for landscape architecture at Rutgers University in New Brunswick. At the time, I was really focused on green building, sustainable stormwater management and vegetation on the rooftops. I was so interested in um, the green building, you know, mostly because. When I was 14, I started working at a plant nursery, and I loved the outdoors, I loved plants, and I loved just, just the environment. So uh, my interest in, in solar, that happens mainly because when I graduated, so my, my senior year of college was 2008 and 2009, and that was just the worst the worst time to graduate from college ever. I really wanted a job working at a, a landscape architecture firm, focusing on green roofs, green building, you know, lead buildings. That just wasn't happening. With the internship that I was supposed to get my senior year, I could remember going for the interview and the architect that I was I was sitting down with said that he would love to hire me, but he can't because he doesn't have any work for me because the the economy was so bad at the time. So when I graduated, you know, I was still working, still in that entrepreneurial spirit there. I was doing side jobs and, you know, handyman jobs and landscaping, you know, fixing things for friends and, and neighbors. To make some money to help pay for, for school, pay for books, and you know, I was still making money, but it wasn't that you know, quote unquote, real job. You know, graduating from college, you get a job at an architecture firm. So that wasn't happening. So I still wanted to make a difference. I still wanted to do something great, you know, for the environment, and uh, still be in that world of you know, green building and green green design. You know, wanted to pivot into solar. And so, what I ended up doing was, um, I packed up my entire life and I drove out to Colorado and I attended a tech school where I learned what a circuit diagram is, had how, how to solder a resistor on a circuit board, you know, just you know, basic principles there. So, I just took that knowledge that I've learned out there in the tech school, landscape architecture, combined those two, and I was able to find a job right away in, in solar back in New Jersey. So my solar career started in 2011 as a system designer. And I, I, I started you know, drafting 3D models, you know, doing system designs, and just, you know, really hit the ground at this Hyperloop speed at the company that I was working for. It was a small engineering team. So there was a, just a great opportunity to just learn everything about solar, wear so many hats, and yeah, do anything that I can, you know, that I could do possibly to help develop solar projects.
1: Yeah, I see that you got your start there at GeoPeak and a lot of the stuff that you had worked on uh, or at least what you show in some of your public work was custom racking, a lot of custom work, right? Around uh, engineering PV systems. Were you working primarily on larger scale or still residential projects at that point?
0: So when I first started there, the SRECs were really, really high. So there was a lot of residential systems. We were doing commercial as well. Uh, it was a good mixture of both, and I was kind of bouncing around from project to project. Since I have a background in landscape architecture, I was the one that would go out for the site assessments for the ground mount projects. There was a lot of guesswork as to like, oh, you know, how how high are these trees? You know, what you know, what does the topography look like, and how does that impact in a row spacing with with the modules? At the time, it was very difficult to measure a tree. In order to measure the tree, one of my colleagues they gave me this laser pointer. And I'm thinking, how how is this going to work? You know, you point. You know, you're standing on the ground. You're pointing this up, and I mean, that's not going to it's not going to really work. So what I did was, I identified these trees. You know, so I would look at the tree. I would see. I would say, okay, that's a silver maple, all right? That's a Acer saccharum. Okay, um, I would look at the the trunk um, caliper there. And I would estimate, okay, you know, that's a, it's a silver maple, that tree, it you know, looks pretty mature and it's, it's not going to be any more than 85 feet. That's, yeah. that's the highest it would go. So um, I would go back to the office and I would draft a 3d model of a, of a silver maple. And I would, I would add that to the 3d model mm-hmm. and and see, see what the shading impacts were um, and design the system accordingly.
1: What were some of the more common problems that you saw within the engineering team and within the integration from sales to engineering in particular, that were common obstacles to the progress of a project.
0: So on the engineering side, for every project that I ever designed, you would have Google Maps open, you would have pictometry open, SketchUp, AutoCAD, Solmetric software. All of this software would be open, and you know, two screens is not enough. <laughs> Sometimes you need you need more more screens for all of this, and we were constantly back and forth between all these different software platforms. The company CRM would be open to your job as a system designer is to stay within the tolerance that's defined by that company, as to where that production value needs to be, and you have to stay within that tolerance there. And you would constantly be going back and forth between all these different software platforms. And you had these rough sketches from the site assessor where there was a rough drawing of, you know, they were up on the roof and they measured the, the ridge line was say, you know, 58 feet, the five looks like an eight and the eight looks like a five. And, you know, it would just not really match up and you would constantly be cross-referencing things there. It was very tedious, but, you know, we still managed to, to meet. Every system designer that I worked with, we all managed to to meet our quota for the day and design X amount of systems for the day. You know, but we would be juggling all these different types of software, and, and it was it was a pain. It was it was a real pain, you know. And drafting these these 3D models from from scratch, guessing where the where the trees are, where the, the heights of the trees, what what type of tree it, it is as well. Um, it was certainly a lot.
1: I mean, obviously, you managed a team when you were at NRG Home Solar. You had a number of years experience in two well-known, well-respected companies in the region at this time. You know, you were five years into your career. And as many of us know, NRG Home effectively, you know, closed down and left a lot of really well-qualified folks who presumed that there was a long runway with this utility-backed company to keep growing. As an entrepreneur, how did the weight of that message from, we'll call it from executives' Hit you when you realized like this? Actually, the train tracks just ran out. I got to get off this thing and go figure something out.
0: So when I was at NRG, once everyone heard that you know there were going to be changes and David Crane was no longer the uh, the CEO, we knew, you know, at least I knew uh, that it was only a matter of time before something big was going to happen. You know, just this this massive layoff. At the time, Scanafly was building and building and building behind the scenes there and i decided you know if there is a massive layoff if i am one of those who 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 are laid off that's a blessing in disguise and i will pursue uh you know my my venture i will start a company that is going to kind of tackle these challenges that i experienced firsthand in in solar
1: you mentioned the name and i said it earlier scanafly you said that it was building and is that metaphorical for momentum was building in your mind about how and when you what you would do or had you been starting it as a as a side hustle
0: Scanfly was a side project so when i was working at nrg i was tinkering around i built my own drone i attached a 3d scanner to it and i proved the concept that you know you can 3d scan using using a drone so i was tinkering around with with that behind the scenes When I was working at NRG, just kind of a side, you know, maker movement project there. So that was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun.
1: So when logically, as we said, NRG decided to drastically and ultimately completely eliminate the the NRG home solar team, you had been building this idea. You had been building this project. Tell me more about what then became Scanifly and maybe it's a reiteration, but what was the problem that you saw you could step out and solve as well or better than anyone?
0: It was the inefficiencies in the system design process. You know, as I mentioned before, there was all these software platforms that we were using, mainly because there, there was no real-world context when system designers were designing. When I was designing, there there was no real-world context. So you had all of these, these different software. Uh, you had all these other resources. They had to cross-reference with just to design a system because of that lack of real-world context.
1: You know, John, I wonder, as you jumped out into this journey, uh, having done some entrepreneurial things in your life, I'm sure you felt somewhat prepared. You know, you were fairly young in your career jumping out as an entrepreneur. I'd love to hear from you what were the easiest and perhaps the hardest things about starting Scanifly that took you by surprise.
0: There's nothing easy about starting a business. I think with any business, whether Scanify, whether it's you know software or or any other business, it's I think it's there's nothing easy about it. You know, you really have to be prepared to as much as possible, as quickly as possible. Me personally, I, you know, I have this you know kind of obsessive personality. If I and once I have this idea, you know, I just make sure I just run with it as much as possible. And I become really obsessed with something. I go full throttle, hyperloop mode.
1: One of the things that's the hardest I find for a solopreneur or an entrepreneur starting a company is that decision early on of how do you surround yourself with the right people? And you hear it so often, build a great team. And any good entrepreneur who has built something successful always defers to how they're surrounded by smarter people than them. Sitting in your position now three years in, Help me understand how you decided who to bring on. If you had any co-founders, you know who's the first add to a company when you're trying to build out and would you do it differently now
0: looking back three years on? I'm really fortunate to have really great teammates, everyone on the team. We are very, very dedicated and, and we all have our strengths and weaknesses, but we, we all complement one another. It's really great. I am the original founder. And as I was building the company, it's one of those things where you're, are looking for talented, passionate people. And when you, when you finally come across that individual who is as passionate and 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 talented and obsessed as you are, then you know you have a really great great teammate.
1: And who was that for you?
0: Um, so my co-founder Dennis, he was he was the um, he's our CTO and one of our uh, first employees. Okay, and my other co-founder Jason, he was the next teammate to join
1: and that's Jason Steinberg, right? Yes. Shout out to Jason who is a <laughs> listener and reached out to to connect us uh originally and and I'll I'll note here that not every suncast interview comes from me reaching out and asking for people to be on the show as many of you know folks make recommendations. Jason Steinberg just said, "Hey, I'm a listener. I'd love to get on the phone with you and express, you know, tell you what we're doing and it was probably halfway into a half, a half hour conversation that I just said, man, I'd love to get you guys on on Suncast. So, you know, hat tip to Jason for uh, for helping make that happen as well. And Jason, what role does Jason play for you guys?
0: He's the COO, business development, you know, operations and, and the finance side of things.
1: Is there anything about the way that the three of you decided to structure the company that in hindsight was misguided and the is there anything that you would do in a different order or a different hire first looking back on it
0: you know there's always <laughs> you know throughout the evolution building a company there there are always things that you know you wouldn't you would want to change right and in hindsight i mean one that really sticks out is the uh, the pricing model we we initially started um, the company with uh, with the pricing model where almost like every every sas platform it's 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 the you know, monthly subscription, annual um, as well. So we started with that model and and you know, it didn't really work well for us. So we shifted to a a cost uh, pricing per project model, um, a usage-based model rather than the fixed. Um, it's really worked well for us.
1: That's fascinating. I think that pricing is always one of those that is iterative. You know, I talk to my team a lot about, in particular, one of my companies, that's a physical location and we have to deal with pricing and customers and the constant question is how do we know if we're pricing it right and my answer always is you put the price out there and you let your customers educate you mm-hmm,
0: <laughs> <Right? yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> for
1: sure. you know like at the end of the day as long as you don't price it in a way that you're losing money unless of course you have a a marketing plan that supports losing money for a time as a as a, as a cost leader as a loss leader rather you know there's a, pl- there's a time place for everything but yeah pricing is such a, uh, I, I find that it's such a conundrum for many, and especially in the in the direct to customer business, right? Um, the B2B, mm-hmm. I feel like it's easier to triangulate where your price ought to be. And when you're creating a new category, as you clearly are, you're not just simply renting drones, right? <laughs> so... <laughs> I guess now is as good a time as any. Why don't you give us a good understanding, um, you know your elevator pitch, perhaps, of Scanify as it stands today, three years into the journey?
0: We are the first reality capture PV system design software. Scanify enables PV system designers to design with that real-world context, and going back to our, our conversation earlier. That real-world context is really important. And there's no need to be, you know, bouncing back and forth uh, between all these different software platforms to, just to design one system. So with Scanafly, our customers have that ability to design with that real-world context. I and mean, it just so happens, um, I mean, in order to, to to have that real-world context, they need to capture reality, uh, if you will, with with a with a drone. So um, no more getting on the roof with a measuring tape, with a, a shade analysis tool. No more walking around. A commercial site for for hours and hours. You can simply fly a, a drone, uh, take take images, upload those images to Fly where we we process those images to a a 3D mapped environment, where you can then design on top of that realistic to scale virtual replica of that property.
1: And is there any element yet of AI? Sort of like what I imagined you were going to say is you capture images, you upload them to Scanafly, fly, and then out pops your design it's not there yet
0: yeah so that's something we're currently building uh-huh yes very cool yes. so it's very exciting
1: and built into the back end of scanifly i presume is a physics model not unlike uh helioscope or aurora or pv sketch that allows you to design the system now based on effectively what you would have captured with a sun eye or a similar tool but with higher resolution with more context etc
0: Yes. Yes. So currently in the software now you can design a PV system, export a shade a shade report, perform the, the shade analysis that is similar to the the eye where we, we are creating those solar access view sheds or those those hemispherical view sheds there um in that 3D mapped environment. We could also simulate production and change your modules.
1: I think that probably the first thing people would wonder, and especially given that uh, not only one of my sponsors is <laughs> one of the aforementioned companies, but a previous sponsor is one of the other aforementioned companies. Uh, how does this in any way, like, how do you compete? Like, it seems to me like folks might say, well, I'm already using Helioscope or Aurora. Like, where does Scanifly fit into the overall picture?
0: Some of our customers are using Aurora, Helioscope, and other remote design platforms, and, and that's okay. You know, they're 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 all great products, and, you know, it's, you know, it's really more that, you know, Scanifly is that solution for... For customers that are going out on, on site, they, they need a more efficient solution when, when they're going out on site, whether it's to verify the measurements that they've just added in Helioscope or Aurora or any other remote design software. Every company has their own workflow. They, uh, they have their own way of doing things. And and every, every one of our, our customers, they're, they're using are using in a different way that, that, that really works nicely in, in their workflow.
1: You know, the solar industry is increasingly competitive. How are you differentiating yourself and your company to close more sales? Our friends over at Aurora Solar, you know, the NREL-validated solar sales and design tool that I've been mentioning lately. Well, they've conducted over a year of research into understanding precisely what makes a solar sales proposal succeed. And they've agreed to share their insights with Suncast listeners in a free Ebook. It's called The Solar Sales Playbook for Proposals That Close. You can go to mysuncast.com forward slash Aurora to download this playbook for free. And if we've done our job right, you should also see the link in the description for this episode in your podcast player. Check it out. And thanks to Aurora for this amazing free resource. If you missed the recent announcement in episode 175, it's a rare five-minute episode, so I encourage you to go ahead and add it to your queue right now. Want to suggest a featured topic, nominate a guest, or even host your own podcast in Solar Power International's Podcast Lounge? This is also a great branding opportunity. If you're interested in being a guest, host, or sponsor, go to podcastlounge.live. That's podcastlounge.live to learn more and apply. Now back to the show. Tell me more about reality capture and why that is important, and how it, in some way, is uh, is changing the game or differentiating you in the marketplace.
0: Yeah, so uh, so reality capture is is changing the way that we we design today, um, similar to to how CAD computer aided design changed the way we designed years ago, and now this 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 3D mapped environment that was generated. Using a sensor, sensors, this 3D mapped environment becomes the the canvas for the designer now, whether it's uh, for a solar assistant designer, uh, whether it's for architecture, landscape architecture, civil engineering, even interior design, reality capture will be the future of design.
1: I kind of envision this as what will your kids say about the way that we did things before, right? Like Mm -hmm. our kids... Actually, probably our children's children at this point will say, wait a minute, you
0: actually drove cars yourself? Yeah. <laughs> That's so dangerous, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, you had this stick shift and gasoline. That it, doesn't it, make What? Really? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you
1: had to stop to refuel? Yeah. And it took more than two minutes? What about the supercapacitors? <laughs> so... Reality capture is not is not just something it would seem. It's not something that's unique to the solar industry. It sounds to me like you're saying this is an overall 3D modeling and design iteration on the way that design is being done from housing to sort of real-world infrastructure.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And so I remember uh, when I was in sixth grade, um, the summer of let's see, 1996. There, I'm showing my age there. Um, <laughs> the The summer of 1996, my mom signed me up for a a technical school summer camp, and this was um, something where there was you know different different courses where you learned different trades, and one of those courses was mechanical drawing. And I think I was about 11 years old. And I can remember walking in, into this classroom and seeing these ginormous drafting tables, T square, 30, 60, 90 triangle, uh, you know, pencil on vellum. We we learned how to do everything that's related really, to mechanical drawing. It was it was really really fun. It was very exciting. And I could remember, after, you know, after learning how to create that the, the plan view drawing, elevation, and isometric drawing, that we would take that piece of vellum that we just drafted on. And we would bring that over to this this huge computer, and we 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 slid this piece of vellum inside of the mouse pad, where the the mouse had this uh, crosshair on this clear piece of acrylic, and had four buttons on it. And you would have to trace that drawing that you just created by hand on the drafting table. And the, the screen was was black and green. And I can remember kind of the first version of CAD there. And you know, looking back. On that, and seeing what we have available to us now, it's it's just amazing how far along CAD has has really gone. And I'm I'm seeing the same thing now with three D scanners. Right, LiDAR is becoming it's going from mechanical to solid state, just like just like hard drives have have done that. And that the technology is getting is getting uh, less expensive and uh, you know far just far more better. Everyone will be capturing reality and using. 3D mapped environment as their canvas when they're designing. That's the future.
1: Well, it's interesting for me. I started my first solar company in 2006 and I stood on many a rooftop cases where I should have been tied off and was not using a solar pathfinder for those who oh, yes. uh, <laughs> remember some of the more archaic tools I was uh, alluding to. I remember when the Sun SunEye came out and th- thinking this is genius, like what an amazing tool. Not only do not, not do I, can I do this more safely, but it automatically, I can just sort of beam it to my computer. This is amazing. I wanted to note, because I think one of the cool things about Modern Aurora, one of the companies we mentioned, does a really good job of marketing. And so I always try to check when I'm checking out early uh, early stage, and I still think that three years old is is early stage still in this industry of, of us all <laughs> being in about a 20-year-old industry anyway. I just searched, you know, solar shade analysis, And in an era where video is again, you know, is really dominating. You guys are ahead of uh, Aurora and a number of others in terms of YouTube uh, friendliness. You're the first (laughs) video that shows up for solar shade analysis. What do you know that, uh, that we don't about marketing? And uh, I just want to hear more about your marketing program to, to be able to get, pull that off.
0: Yeah there's a, <laughs> there's there's a few SEO tweaks that we have behind the scenes there but it's um mostly I guess just about traffic and you know also what's you know it's cached on on your machine as well but you know scanofly is that futuristic on on site shade analysis tool. It's great to hear that it's you know one of the first when <laughs> the first item's there when you're searching so
1: congratulations. <laughs> and do I understand that you guys integrate And I think this is where it gets a little bit controversial, right? But you integrate things like proposal tools, things that, as you mentioned before, when you were at NRG and just looking out across the landscape, you got tired of using multiple software programs is one of the ways that you guys are trying to solve that by integrating all these into one tool.
0: Um, so there is a proposal generator in our software. And most of our customers, they have their own templates. They're taking screenshots in our software, showing the customer what the system is going to look like on on their home or business, and just uh, incorporating that into their own their own templates.
1: John, I'm wondering if there is a position that you hold that might be a little controversial. Perhaps it's about the industry. Maybe it's just philosophical.
0: I really believe that the industry needs to do a better job educating the their customer, right? the the consumer. Most consumers, they don't, you know, really know much about solar. They don't know, uh, you know, what what azimuth angle their their roof is, and and the differences there. I, you know, I I really think that the industry needs to do a better job at you know educating the, the customer, and not just you know sell these projects just to just to get panels on the roof, right? Just to, you know, you know, I pass, you know, you know, every time I drive past a project, a solar project where there are panels underneath of trees. I think to myself, you know, if only the customer knew, if only their customer knew that okay, there are panels under under trees, and it, it's it's making the industry look bad. Those those types of uh, installations where where there are are panels that underneath of trees, and it doesn't uh, it doesn't just make any just making any sense to me.
1: Yeah, and I find that in many cases that is driven by a comp plan that incentivizes a sales guy for kilowatts sold, not for optimization of the system, right? It seems like if sales compensation plans were designed the way that, you know, later versions of for, for like the CSI program and other incentive programs were designed to incentivize yield and performance, then we would, uh, we'd probably see a different outcome in that regard. I never thought about that before. That made me think. Well, rather than controversial, is there anything in particular that you look back on as a moment in time that? you attribute as a success marker or a turning point in your career
0: the positive moments uh when a customer re- reaches out when they are they're so happy and and, uh, and they love an, a new feature they they, they the product uh, scanify is really making their life more efficient and it's making their their lives easier and it's it's just great to hear that feedback from from customers it's truly a win when I hear those.
1: John, is there an example of where that same type of customer feedback really gave direction to the product itself?
0: Yeah. Yeah. We always value customer feedback. We we love customer feedback and, you know, that, that, you know, it helps drive products, you know? And I, I, I think that every, every successful company, you know, listens to their, their customers and it helps, helps drive uh, product and helps drive that product, the product roadmap further.
1: Well, John... As we sort of wrap up this segment going into our next one here, I'd love to hear if there's anything that in particular has you really excited about broadly the clean energy industry or what corners you might be looking around uh, with regards to solar.
0: So when I started in solar, it was only in a few states, right? The majority of the Northeast, California, and, and I, th- I think that was pretty much it. And it's, it's great to see that it's, that it's really just, it's, it's not in just a few states, You know, Michigan, yeah, the Midwest, and it's it's just really, just spreading all over the country, and it's great to hear that um, solar is really, really growing, and it's it's not just in a few states.
1: Let's do a quick version of what I call hot or hype, and I'm particularly curious about some of the things that I think will be will tie into kind of work you guys are doing right now. This is a segment that I name a specific market or topic. You spend 30 to 60 seconds on whether or not you think it's hot or all hype and why. And we'll start with the integration of energy storage into commercial industrial utility scale solar.
0: Um, so I think that's a hot topic. I think that's something where, you know, storage is, is very, very in- important in the industry. And, you know, both uh, I think on the commercial side and obviously on the, on the residential side, I, th- I think it's, it's extremely important. The
1: nexus of renewables... And the electrification of the automobile industry.
0: Mm, Yes. (laughs) So, so I'm a huge Tesla fan. Um, You know, I love the the Model Three, and you know, know, I'm an Elon Musk fan. I love SpaceX as well. So, uh, you know, it's that's also very important. But you know, we need to be uh, generating electricity from renewable sources. We can't just have all these electric cars and still burning burning coal, and that just doesn't make any sense to me. So, um, as long as the renewable um, sources of electricity are, are are there to to power these cars and there's and, and thus there could be this you know even more of a decentralized grid where now these electric cars are 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 becoming the storage platforms that are you know obviously mobile you know that's that's really really interesting that's very exciting
1: a new topic that I haven't included in previous versions of hot or hype AI will be integrated into everything
0: mm-hmm yeah, it already is. <laughs> it already is. But, you know, I think it will uh, further spread um, and reach its uh, tentacles into, into every, every single thing on the planet. <laughs> mm. We just have to be very careful, though, that it doesn't take over. But yeah. uh,
1: Perhaps for the sake of argument, when you say it already is, like what, what form of or version of AI or artificial intelligence do you feel like is already integrated?
0: there's AI all around us. You know, it's, it's, you know, every time if you go on Amazon, right. Looking for a new product, right. They're they're constantly pulling data from you to, to push this new product on you that their system thinks that you would like and that you would want to want to buy. So it's in everything, you know, whether it's, you know, Amazon or, uh, you know, self-driving cars, for example, you know, the, the Tesla autopilot uh, software there, it's, it's, it's constantly learning from this, this, uh, this, this, kind of crowdsourced approach there. Every every Tesla is pulling data um, and 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 learning from every driver that's that's on the road with with a Tesla.
1: Blockchain as it relates to energy.
0: There's been a lot of talk about blockchain and and yeah, you know it is the future, but um yeah you know, I think it's still in its in its early, early stages right now.
1: Okay. So hype. So you
0: know, it might be hyped. too. So yeah. <laughs> Just a bit.
1: Hype for now. Right on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. John, I believe that leaders are readers and readers are leaders. I'd love to hear what books you recommend or gift the most and why.
0: Yeah, so um, I mentioned that I'm a huge fan of Elon Musk. Um, I follow SpaceX on a daily basis. I highly recommend the Elon Musk biography.
1: Excellent. You know, I still haven't read the, actually, Vance biography of Elon Musk. It's definitely on my to-read list, but some of these, and I love biographies, but some of these are just... um, Tremendously long books to get through. <laughs> I mean, this is only thankfully, thankfully that one's only about 400 pages, but are there any other books that you gift or that you recommend to folks?
0: Um, so I'm a huge fan of biographies. I love reading about, um, you know, stories of, you know, how other, you know, other um, entrepreneurs, other leaders, uh, you know, how they live their, you know, their lives. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so Steve, jo- Steve Jobs is another one that I recommend uh, by Walter Isaacson. Uh, and that's a great one. Um, I have a book on my shelf here. Uh, Christopher Reeve, still me. That's that's one that's mm. that's um next on my on my list. Uh, huge, huge Superman fan as well. When Christopher Reeve uh, was alive, you know, it's just you know, he it's just you know, I love Superman. I used I used to watch uh, Superman a lot when I was younger. Christopher Reeve is is, a, is has been is an inspiration. Uh, and uh, so that's 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 next on my list to read.
1: John, what habit or consistent practice has had the greatest impact on the way that you work and live?
0: I'm a strong believer in in taking some some time to clear your head and, and to do something, you know, that, you know, kind of you know takes you away from what you're doing for for so long. So I'm a drummer. I've been playing the drums since since fourth grade, and I love to jam out in the studio. And it really, you know, helps me decompress. You know, it helps to get the 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 creative things flowing in my brain there, and uh, I love to just jam out in the studio. It's, it's a great release for me. It's a great way to decompress. You know, get those creative juices flowing.
1: What's your favorite music style to jam to?
0: I love jazz. I love rock. I even love metal too. You know, I love it. You know, I lo- I love the complex technical instrumentals. You know, like Liquid Tension, experiments cool. Love the tones, You know, anything that doesn't have your standard four four time. It's very, very technical. Um, I love it because it's, it's a challenge. And, and to me, uh, you know, challenge accepted. Uh, so I love to um, jam out to the more technical, uh, less you know, standard four, four times.
1: John, where can people find you if they want to connect? Uh, are you on Twitter, LinkedIn? Are you, you know, down with people emailing you directly?
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, mm-hmm. Feel free to reach out on LinkedIn uh, and message me there. You could always reach me at hello at scanafly.com as well. So yeah, feel free to reach out.
1: And the website, of course, is uh, Mm scanifly.com.
0: Scanifly.solar also works Uh as well. Yeah, points to scanifly.com.
1: Well, John, we'll end as we always do with a bold prediction. What one thing do you see happening in the solar market that perhaps nobody else is tracking? What's in your crystal ball?
0: That reality capture will be the future of PV system design.
1: Simple, sweet, and to the point. John (laughs) Novak is the founder and CEO of Scanafly. He's a PV designer and engineer and drummer, pseudo-extraordinaire. John, a pleasure to have you on the show. Thanks again to your co-founder, Jason Steinberg, for
0: setting us up. Thanks so much. It's, it's been a lot of fun. Thanks for having me on the show. Hey, yo, hey,
1: don't stop yet. Just wanted to catch you really quick. Say, so, hey, if you're one of those listeners who kind of hears these end credits start and you jump right to the next episode there's a lot of stuff that happens right here in the end of the episode that I hope you'll stick around and listen to. John and I would love to hear your feedback on this episode. Please do follow us on Twitter and LinkedIn. Let us know whether you also believe drone-based survey and design is the future or the present. You'll find our Twitter handles and other resources and highlights mentioned on the blog over at MySuncast.com. Just click on the Listen link to see the episodes page, and that's where you'll find our show notes for this and other episodes and lots of the resource links, book recommendations, and other goodies covered. While you're there, I encourage you to check out our Suncast tribe. You be a part of my inner circle of Solar Warriors and trusted advisors. There's lots to learn there. Frankly, I need to update the video, but it hasn't kept others from saying, yes, I'll join the Solar Warrior Suncast tribe. Why don't you go see what that's all about? Of course when you're there you can subscribe for the newsletter which i promise will start coming out more regularly my friend alex is going to help us make that happen and finally as i mentioned in the intro if you're coming to spi you can meet both john and i as we'll both be there with booths salt lake city september 23rd to 26th head over to podcastlounge.live to see what i'll be up to and i hope i'll see you there in person i truly do value your investment of time here today remember You are what you listen to. So thanks again for showing up, Solar Warrior. It's half the battle.